Welcome to episode 58 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded March 8th, 2020. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. My name is Tyler, and I live in northwest Wisconsin. Besides prepping, I'm also into homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. Hey, I'm uh, Colin, and uh, I'm from Pembroke, Ontario. I'm a 21-year-plus uh, veteran of the Canadian Forces, a firearms advocate, veterans advocate, and a father of three. Hi, I'm Gavin, instructor at Ragnarok Tactical, volunteer first responder, CCFR field officer, uh, a, a regular panelist on the other CPP, and an international man of mystery. And if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can head on over to Rapid Survival and pick up a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt. All the proceeds help keep the lights on in the backup generator field. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We want your feedback, good or bad, or also if there's a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, time for the dad joke. So we have some image-intensified content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news. Then we'll let you know what we did for preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, which is optics for the dark. News time. Um, well, let's talk about the big one here. Uh, did you guys hear about that quarantine in Italy going on? Yeah. Yep. So it just like- uh, went into effect yesterday, was it? Or yeah, so they gave a day's notice, but it's a quarter of the country's population, which is 16 million, and uh, they're under a, a stay-at-home order. But the funny thing is, is they they still have mass transit going, they still have roads open and everything else. So it's not a true quarantine, but still kind of a big deal. Right. So do they actually have armed officials enforcing that, or did they shed any light on that? Well, I think if you have uh, like a driver's license that says you belong somewhere else, they can let you go, but other than that, you're supposed to be staying at home. Okay. Yeah, I saw it was for almost a month. Is that right? Four weeks, three weeks? Yeah, it's going to be at least till the end of the month. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to make it better or worse by the end of the month. But at the mm-hmm. beginning, there's still people fleeing the area. It's only going to get worse in other right. parts of Italy, right? I think it's just going to make the public feel better. Yeah. A typical political maneuver, about. right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. What politicians do is they just make people feel better. They don't actually get anything done. You know? Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the, the other good news is before we talk about what we did in preps, Got to talk about people that are shopping for this all the time. <laughs> toilet paper. So we had a wave of toilet paper shoppers uh, hitting Richmond and Toronto. I, I grabbed the news articles for those. Um, mass panic. So the first thing that most non-preparedness people do is grab cases. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, know, at it's- least they're all buying something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, you know, you couldn't just use something else to wipe your ass in an emergency. <laughs> well... Right. Okay, so yeah, the funny thing is, first of all, the paper products are made in Canada, um, so that's not even an issue. But I mean, mind you, some of the wrapping might be made in China, like some of the plastic wrap they figure. But yeah, I mean, you can't poop if you don't eat, so I would think you'd want to grab food. <laughs> yeah, that and like, you know, as long as, I mean, I guess it, it, maybe this is where all the bottles of water come in, too, that they've been stocking up, at, so that when they run out of toilet paper, they can just have like a bottle water shower to, to rinse off. <laughs> And then they're good, right? Like well, just bottle a water bidet. Yeah, yeah. So they just take a couple a nail and poke a couple holes in that cap, and you can just you get someone own. to squeeze it at you. Yeah, yeah, DIY bidet type of thing. Yeah. Well, who knows? But I just yeah. thought it was kind of funny. So I threw the articles in there because some of the pictures are kind of funny. But yeah, not a whole lot yeah. of food, but a whole lot of yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I also had an article about uh, the coronavirus. Um, so, kind of just a summary of what went wrong with the tests in the United States. There's been a lot of. Uh, political back and forth about how the administration's handling everything. 
But uh, kind of in a nutshell, early on, the CDC and the FDA were not authorizing public health officials or hospital labs to perform the tests. Uh, So as a result, the qualification processes and setups necessary to perform these tests were delayed uh, days, probably more like weeks. Um, Finally, on February the 25th, the FDA did give special permission to public health officials and health labs to begin developing their own testing protocols. And then uh, as of this past Friday, public health labs have received uh, 75,000 tests and more than 1.1 million tests um, are being shipped currently. And uh, the administration said that 4 million more tests will be shipped in the next several days. So I would expect that numbers, uh, the number of cases are going to grow pretty, grow pretty, yeah, wow, cannot talk tonight either. Um, they're going to grow dramatically in the, the upcoming week. Um, so as we record tonight, the U.S. has got 531 cases and 21 deaths. Well, I think up to this point, it was like, don't, don't test, don't tell, something like that, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like. I don't have the exact number, but uh, it's an underwhelming number of tests that actually have been performed in the States here. So so government dropping the ball as per usual. Yep. Yeah. Well, the CDC, <laughs> yeah, the, the CDC yeah. actually published on their own website, I think up until about five days ago, that they'd only performed like 460 tests total nationwide. Right. So yep. the province, yeah, the province of BC had actually done more tests than the entire U.S. as of last week, and then now it's going to go exponential in the states. So yeah, exactly. yeah, but I guess that's also like it. It really demonstrates the difference between like a a taxpayer funded healthcare system <laughs> and one that isn't. Where it's like, well, and that, and that, here we go. Fun. Oh, you want a coronavirus test? You want a coronavirus test? You want one? Here we go. Yeah, and that's Spend the funny that money. thing. Is- I think that uh, part of the reason like a lot of tests weren't done too is because I think there, were, there was actually like, a lot of back and forth as to who was going to pay for them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they did just sign. Uh, I think it was an eight point two billion dollar uh, deal to to release funds for you know emergency yeah. testing and all that. Uh, yeah, maybe I mean, this is a good time to maybe say this. Like, if you're sick, don't travel. Stop. Stay right. home. Yeah. Yeah, it really goes back to the basics, just good cold and flu prevention, washing your hands, wiping down those common surfaces, your cell phones, your doorknobs, your cabinet handles, uh, just try to disinfect those a little more often, be conscious of touching your face, coughing and yeah. sneezing on other people, and, yeah. and social distancing, you know, that goes probably the farthest, so. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Colin or Gavin, you guys got anything you want to talk about? No, I'm I'm good. <coughs> very cool saving uh, it all for the main topic oh yeah this, this is gonna be fun uh what we've done lately for preps brought to you by super sd straps stop it whatever <laughs> <laughs> you heard the dog <laughs> but anyways uh so wow this is gonna be horrible for eric to edit out, anyway so uh super straps.com and as for myself i really haven't done a whole lot lately i've been now uh, working since the last episode but I'm about to start a massive stretch of uh, days off, so I'll have plenty of time to primp the doomstead, go to the range a lot, and do some forestry, deconstruction around the house, and maybe a whole bunch of fixing up and reorganizing. So uh, more to come next week. Nice. Good time to have some uh, days off of work, huh? It just worked out that way, yeah. I was yeah. uh, kind of happy about that. I would be too. Yeah, uh, for me, so a local library had a book sale. They were selling books for three bucks a bag. So uh, my wife and I went down there and we actually uh, brought three whole bags worth of books home and surprisingly found a lot of like how to uh, how to raise rabbits, how to raise pigs, stuff like that. Uh, even found a wilderness survival uh, medicine handbook. 
So built up the survival library a little bit. And then uh, today I removed the primary and secondary clutch from my side-by-side. -side, and then I ordered the uh, parts kits to rebuild both of those as well. So I'll be using those this or I'll be using that this summer quite a bit. So got to get that fixed. But that's about it for me. Kevin? Um, I guess not, not a whole lot. Um, picked up a, a new 308 rifle today and doing some work on that. Uh, shot a match this morning, shot mediocre, so got to get some more dry fire practice in and, and live fire. Um, otherwise, yeah, not a whole lot. I guess I, I traveled, so I exposed myself to a bunch of people, so strengthening that immune system because I kind of got a case of the, I don't know, not the, not the coronavirus, but something nasty where I was crapping my brains out for a couple of days, and now I just sort of feel a general not wellness. It's also a good time to remind people that the coronavirus yeah. does not cause diarrhea. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stop buying toilet paper. Yeah, that's that's how I knew that I didn't have it. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's about it, really. You know, uh, a common cure for that. My grandmother, whenever we had uh, bad dysentery, she would always feed us two pieces of black toast and uh, and uh, or sorry, black tea and burnt toast. There you go. It's just like Pepto Bismol. I tell you, it works. Well, I guess I'll uh, have to give that a try then. Yeah. Yeah. Some low level charcoal or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like burnt, like burnt blackened toast and uh, and tea. Yeah, with mm. nothing in it. Works great. Cool. Uh, it's the only way I drink my tea, anyways, because milk and sugar is for savages. There you go. <laughs> You've been up to anything uh, yourself, Cole? Yeah, I. Uh, I got some uh, ears on my helmet here. I have this uh, Nexus Level 4 helmet uh, from uh, Black Bear Gear, and uh, they hooked me up with some uh, arc rail adapters. So uh, that was a fun lesson putting those on. And I've also, yesterday, <coughs> I was trying out some new magazines for my uh, some AR-15 mags. These are the uh, Cross Industries uh, 10 and 10 pistol mags that couple. Yep. And you can take them apart and orient them in different directions. Loving those. Um, so I guess... So they're a, way, a very progressive magazine. What's that? They're a very progressive <laughs> magazine and that they can orient themselves in many different directions. They, they don't yes. yeah. yeah, they kind of go both ways, so to speak. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> that escalated quickly. I'm just talking about <laughs> But that's pretty much it for me for uh, for props this week. So, nice. all right. Well, I guess time to move on to the main topic of the show. So, uh, night vision. Uh, well, well, I can leave it for you guys, but for the most part, because I'm an absolute beginner. But uh, I want to talk about natural night vision for a second, uh, basically because one thing I learned when I was doing my uh, early college program was uh, if you wear the red filter goggles for like safety goggles or anything else for like half an hour, go outside and you built up a. Uh, a hormone, I think it is, or a chemical compound called rhodopsin. It'll allow you to see very well at night. As long as you don't look at stuff directly, just look at it at an offset angle, and it uh, seems to work pretty good. Uh -huh. uh, Using the rod cells from your eyes, Bambi? Yeah, so rods uh -huh. versus cones. And, uh, yeah, so if you look at an offset angle and you're using the the red light ahead of time, and if you need to use a flashlight outside to keep it red, because the rhodopsin is less bleached out by red light versus natural light, um, and you'd be surprised what you can actually see at night. So I put a uh, I put an article on that one as well in there. 
Other than that, let's see here. Uh, three main types of dig- uh, night vision we should talk about. So we've got digital IR, image intensifier, and thermal. Digital IR. So who's got what to say now? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, I, there's some advantages to one over the other sometimes. Um, I mean, for my search and rescue group, we have one of those digital night vision cameras. And it's kind of interesting because everything is in color, which you don't get with, you know, traditional night vision and stuff like that. Um, you know, the downside is, is that it's because it's digital, there's sometimes a lag. So if you were to use it to, you know, attach it to a helmet to move that lag time on one eye and then your other one seeing things as you're moving can kind of really make you feel nauseous. So that's kind of a downside to that. Um, I noticed that too. Uh, I used uh, night vision on a driving course before for armored vehicles uh, way back uh, 20 years ago, driving AVGPs with um, a monocular on. And you lack that uh, the depth perception. So you, yeah. you can't drive as fast as you normally would, maybe 60 kilometers an hour maximum speed on a, on a good road. But isn't that affected by the hertz rate as well? Like, um, depending on the re- refresh rate of the screen, it will actually like uh, get you less less lag. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, better ones. It's going to be faster, so there'll be less lag, so it may not be perceived. Um, but yeah, if you if you do have the digital ones and you get that lag, you can it can really make you feel gross and want to puke <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, like I, uh, I mean, there's lots of uh, digital ones for sale fairly cheaply. Like I got one here that's uh, just a Bushnell spotting scope, and uh, basically, it, the couple of downsides to this one is it's <coughs> it is cheap, which is a good thing. But the downside is that little image intense or the infrared flashlight that's got there. Yeah. It's off a big, big red glow, so it's pretty easy to see. Uh, if you're yeah. trying to say like stealthy, they got the big red dot sticking in front of you. It's pretty sad. Yeah, the one that my search and rescue group uses is from uh, Psyonix, and, and theirs is pretty slick. Um, and they actually flew a guy up from uh, the, from the States to, to sort of show us how to use it all, and he filmed a video, so like it was kind of cool. We went down to SHOT Show. They were playing the video in the booth that he had shot like a couple of weeks previous, so that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like a really slick unit and budget-conscious for sure. So if you just kind of need something... They're, they are a good option. Well, like, yeah, you see those ATN scopes that are good for day and night for rifles. I mean, that they, they kind of work. They're, they're a budget entry, but they, they work. They're a bit of a battery, battery pig, I guess, too. But um, see that this is nice in the fact that you can actually take pictures with it and a video if you want, so you can people can see what you're looking at uh, for wildlife spotting or anything else that comes to mind. Be- being a peeping Tom. Yeah. Being a peeping Tom, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, you gotta remember too is that every time you're using one of these, that's like an IR flashlight. If you're using a flashlight and somebody else is looking through a different set of night vision, they can see your flashlight quite well. Yeah. <clears throat> so is that IR flashlight? Is that usually built right into the the scope itself or the yeah? You can optics, get ex- whatever you're using, or <laughs> you can get external ones. Yeah, yeah. Like this this one's obviously built in. It's just one piece. Okay. But you can actually buy external flashlights. I put a link to one on on Amazon um, that looks like just like a normal flashlight, but it's actually infrared. Um, yeah, you can also it, buy filters that go on the front of flashlights that'll yeah. put out the proper wavelength too, as well okay. as you can get IR glow sticks as well. Yeah. Huh. Well, and IR strobes too, tops of helmets, right? Yeah, uh, I've got some funny stories from some friends about those. 
Yeah, because I guess that's how they uh, in the field. I call them a no, but I mean, uh, I guess that's how you tell friend from foe in the in the field. Certain times, as if uh, people are wearing IR strobes, so that IR is not visible to the naked eye. Then you would only uh, pick that up through another. That's scope? correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah, generally not. Yeah, like there's this. Um, the old TV remotes used to work on IR. So if you get the older ones, you could actually like have an IR camera. You could like turn up the volume and point it at your face. You could see like a little strobe on your face, which was kind of <laughs> weird. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, depends on the wavelength. Okay. Yeah. So a friend of mine uh, was doing um, private security over in the Middle East, and they had an IR strobe on the top of their car because they would be driving around with all the lights off and night vision goggles on, and there would be predator drones flying around. So if they saw something that wasn't, you know, flashing with the IR beacon, they would basically just blow it up. Okay. Um, They were in the car and for whatever reason, I guess the batteries died on their strobe on the top of the car. And they kind of saw the drone through their night vision goggles because it had little IR beacons as well. And they were there and he was like, I could see it turning and it turned towards us at which point I realized that sort of in the peripheral, I didn't see the IR beacon on the top of the car kind of flashing. So I had to get out of the car and get some of those IR glow sticks and like crack those and then like spin those above my head. And he's like, and then the drone kind of peeled off and everything was fine. But for a minute there, it wasn't looking good. I'm surprised he had time to think about it. Well, yeah, I think, I think they actually uh, they have to go through quite the process before they just randomly drone stuff too. Like they have to get some approvals and some checklists and double check to make sure there's no friendlies in the area and all that stuff. Yeah, so, at least depending you, on what part of the world they're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Hughes brought up a good point. I uh, couldn't make the show tonight, but he said uh, any camera, even cell phones, will pick up an IR illuminator. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you point them like at your cell phone camera, like it it'll glow a little bit. Like it'll you'll notice that it's on or or off. Which is kind of neat. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. But there's some attachments for cell phones as well. I don't think they're very uh, good quality, but yeah, they've got them. But yeah, any any decent night vision, sort of whether it's you know tubes or digital or whatever, will have some sort of IR illuminator on it, so that when you're in you know absolute pitch black, you flick that on, and now you have your own light source. Yeah. I mean, I think about these digital ones too is that you can use them in the daytime as well as nighttime, <laughs> not like limited. Um, yeah. And they've also got some good commercially uh, available ones like game cameras that, you know, they'll like as you uh, directly transmit right to your cell phone, which is kind of cool. Um, you have to pay a little extra for the ones that don't glow in the dark per se with the IR illuminator because it doesn't, it will scare the game away if you're using a game camera. But yeah. uh, it depends on what quality you want there. Yeah, but animals and their weird freaky vision that can see things that we can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like, uh, yeah, this, uh, this thing will scare away animals for sure. Cause I've had some on the property I was looking at and they're like, they looked right at it and they're like, I'm out of here. Oh, but, uh, so they yeah, can no, pick up the, uh, the IR flashlight then. Well, they can definitely pick up the red glow for sure. And then obviously it's not something that naturally occurs. So that right. like, clearly it's not cool, but, um, yeah. The one thing that I noticed about this, though, it, it's not like the next one we're going to talk about, the image intensifier. Like, it doesn't work very well in the dark at all, unless it's got, like, something shining, right? So, um, yeah, when I was using this before, like, I had it, the IR illuminator off, and I couldn't see pretty much anything, um, like, unless there's some ambient light somewhere. But, yeah, as soon as you turn the IR illuminator, it's like, yeah, it's great. So what is the typical range on something like that, then? How far out could you see at night? 
Well, it depends on what you want to pay, but this one is like 7,500 yards maybe uh, okay. tops, but nothing beyond that. And uh, it gets very pixelated after that too, because you can zoom with this thing, but it, again, you pretty yeah. much want to leave it on one times magnification. <laughs> okay. yeah. So you, also, it, you need to carry extra batteries because you'll note, you'll start to notice just before it dies completely, it starts to get really pixelated. But yeah. It starts to look like an 80s video game, like really fast too. Right. And yeah. It already yeah. takes like four double A's, so oh, it's wow. like it's not uh, not battery friendly for sure. You want to invest in some rechargeables, I think. I oh mean, yeah, that's no, definitely a, a consideration if you're using it for. Well, not the the average Joe would use them for driving, but I mean, if you're out and uh, oh, scouting a trail, walking around, whatever, you don't want to lose your night vision because you forgot some batteries. So, right. yeah, I like to wear mine when I walk the dog at night, just to freak people out. <laughs> oh, you can get external battery packs too for like that, uh, that ATN Excite scope. You can get an external battery pack, which will take it up to like a 14 hour battery life. But some of them, yeah, it's only a couple hours tops you'll get out of them. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, another thing about uh, helmet mounted night vision is uh, those external yeah. battery packs are often mounted on the back of your helmet to act as a bit of a counterweight so you're not too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, with your helmet. this gets heavy especially when it's just in the front and it'll do this. You really need that rear weight to, to balance it out. Well, I suppose if you're, if you're actually like leaning forward too, or like jumping up and down, it's going to like slide down your face otherwise too. Right. Like yeah. I mean, unless the, the internal strapping is like super tight, I guess, but yeah, but then that'll just give you a headache. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Colin, the, uh, uh, a CL camera said to say, hi, Colin. Oh, <laughs> hello. All right. Um, other than that, what else do we want to talk about here with the uh, IR stuff? I can't think of anything else. Um, so it's kind of the price range that you're looking at. 100 bucks upwards to 1000 or. Well, used on gun nuts, I got uh, this IR, uh, this one here, the Bushnell. I think I paid 150 for it or something like that. It wasn't a whole lot. Okay. Not a bad price. I've seen a yeah. unit this week, and it could be mounted on a rifle or on a helmet. And, but it was very, very basic. It was about $400. But okay. the uh, the really nice stuff that everyone wants to have is probably yeah. like two to three thousand dollars, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and up. Like, I mean, I've got the uh, the Armasite Spark Core, and this can be mounted, you know, on the helmet like I had it, but it can also be mounted on a rifle or all kinds of options with it. So it's kind of a neat one, and I paid like five hundred dollars for this used. Yeah. They don't hold their value well at all. So if you do buy an optic, um, oh, yeah. it, it's got to be throwaway money because you're not going to resell it for much more than uh, for anywhere yeah. you paid for it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and if you want like the latest and greatest, like that, the, you know, spec op guys are using with like the four, those are like 50 grand us. <laughs> yeah. There goes the retirement fund. Yeah. Dig yeah. Deep. yeah. <laughs> I but saw a set for sale. What was that you were saying, Gavin? The PVS fourteen, that model there, I've seen. Go yeah, PVS fourteen is three thousand. Probably like the most common monocular that like everybody rips off. Uh, and yeah, you can mount it to a helmet, you can mount it to a weapon, and yeah, you can get them anywhere from two thousand to five thousand, depending on like what generation the, the tubes are inside. Okay. Uh, so that's the quality is better the you know, the later generations you get, you get but, better detail for sure. Yeah. 
so what is the current generation on the market then or the latest and greatest so I've been uh, probably one and two in canada with no problems you start yeah. to get the level three and up uh those are typically government restricted okay like in, yeah. the, in the us they're itar controlled and they're yeah. and that is strictly adhered to if you're caught trying to smuggle that you might as well be trying to smuggle a, a firearm. It's just just serious. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're beyond Gen Four now. Uh, I put a little article yeah. in there as well, but uh, yeah, like like Colin was saying, there's there's beyond Gen <laughs> Two, like Gen Two Plus is what you're going to be expecting to get, or you know, if you're lucky, yeah. Gen Three. But yeah, and I mean, it's not that like you can't get them in Canada, but like that's when you start talking that you're into the like tens of thousands of dollars. Like okay. anytime you sort of get over Gen Two you're going to be into like 10,000 and up new. I don't think there's wow. going to be much of a used market on those yet. Cause it's still fairly new ish, but like this is equivalent to like a gen two and like, it's not bad. Yeah. Like for the, for the average Joe, this is pretty adequate. Like, okay. You know what, Gavin, you couple that with a PEC-4 laser an IR laser or something. You zero that to your rifle. And you're oh yeah. What a fun day. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've, I've actually done that when I was down in Utah um, visiting some friends. We compared like an actual millispec peck box against uh, like an airsoft civilian version. And obviously the millspec one was a lot better and a lot more money, but that airsoft one, you could still see that quite like a lot further away than you would be shooting. That's for right. sure. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, I should be that, I suppose we just cover that off right up that. So the, the, what we're all talking about now is these image intensifiers uh, with the various gens here. Uh, so when you have an image intensifier versus digital night vision, the dead giveaway is usually, if you look on the front, there's usually like an aperture that like restricts the amount of light that goes into it during the day. Because yeah. there's actually a tube on the inside versus a, a digital sensor. These tubes have a, a limited service life, uh, you know, anywhere from, I think, two to 10,000 hours, depending on the quality. Um so yeah, if if you don't ever want to take that lid off in the daytime, if you can help it, uh, yeah. But and if you've got it on when someone hits you with the lights, it's gonna suck. Yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> image intensifiers are more of a passive system that gathers ambient light versus a digital system that requires the IR illumination. Um, we talked about the lasers. Actually, lasers aren't cheap either, are they? No, yeah, no. I mean, you can get kind of uh, aftermarket or generic ones. <laughs> probably uh you know maybe four hundred dollars or so um but the uh the mill spec like a pack four you know it would be well over 800 1200 yeah or, or, i had a, I had a buddy of mine offering to sell me one for 500 and i i should have jumped on it but i like i waited maybe 20 minutes to get back to him and it was already <laughs> it was already gone i was like damn it for a freaking laser beam that's amazing yeah. how much that can cost but, yeah. Well, lasers aren't all created equal, though. So that's true. Yeah, you know, and the amount of power that's behind them makes a difference. Yeah. What was that uh, movie they did about the uh, Benghazi thing with the guys that were uh, using thirteen uh, hours? Yeah, thirteen mm -hmm. hours. So they uh, they had the night vision there. The lasers came in very handy. <laughs> Actually, yeah, a pretty interesting uh, display on how effective night vision could be against those who don't have it. But uh, absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing movie. But uh yeah, so the, the generally the image intensifiers can only be used at night on like the digital ones. And uh depending on how much you want to pay is 
the amount of layers they put on the the tube, which makes it a higher quality. Uh, like this is a Gen One, which is basically like Vietnam era technology, and it's uh, kind of grainy. At least they've managed to get it down to a smaller size, rather than some of those like first ones that were like this giant thing like this to gather the light. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this one comes with a little, you know, mounting rack. So if you want to put it in front of a red dot or whatever, you can do that. But I don't know how well the red dot would work. I haven't tried that yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, it would be uh, very interesting. I don't really have much else to say about that because I don't really know a whole lot about these. I've never used one myself. I mean, yeah, they're, uh, you can use them in the daytime often with that lens cap on, that little pinhole in the front. Yeah. can often yeah. protect the uh, intensifiers and stuff. From so you can, when you turn it on during the day, you should still be able to get an image. But when, it's when you take that cap off, that it gets overwhelmed with too yeah. much light. And yeah, they come in various sort of flavors. Like you can get the monoculars or the binoculars, or I guess the the quadnoculars now. I guess as you call them, <laughs> um, it just increases your field of vision. Eh? So normally you have uh, what, 190 degrees of peripheral vision. Yeah. And normally a monocular would bring that down to about 40 degrees. And yeah. the uh, the dual binoculars uh, would would open that up, and then and the four the quad ones yeah it gives you same. yeah those are about uh, what one hundred and sixty or sorry they yeah. bring up to ninety ninety plus yeah they're they're pretty slick uh, but yeah like you you get what you pay for right like so fifty grand yeah. but and as you as you go up in price it also uh, you get better. Uh, definition as Gavin said you can get uh, add-ons that'll make them color um, yeah oh. yeah uh, I mean it but like even when you're running like a halfway decent set like it's weird if you got a monocular moving around and like you can see with one eye but you can't see with the other eye and then even like when the- you go with binocular ones that's weird too because like you know normally when you're walking and you're on uneven ground like you know, your peripheral vision picks up the ditches in the ground as you're walking, but you can't really see that because all you see is that little circle right out in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of fumbling around with your feet walking. But I had a buddy describe it to me as like walking around wearing two paper towel tubes in front of your head. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of looking through the little field of vision there. It doesn't do much. Yeah. I mean, you get used to it after a while and you, you kind of, you know, just, just go with it, but. Um, I can confirm that shooting a suppressed 300 blackout with a peck box and night vision at night is really fun. <laughs> you know, I God bless America. Ta- yeah, <laughs> when I taught those level four packages to uh, the troops going over to Afghanistan, the funniest thing I ever did see was a clerk who was about four feet tall and four feet wide, shooting from the hip with a laser with NVGs on and putting happy faces on figure 11 targets at 75 meters. Yeah. Oh. Very effective. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing is they, they use less batteries. This one only takes two double A's and um, the little uh, IR illuminator that's on this one as well. It's like way smaller, so less power required. So there's that. <laughs> it's it's uh, a little more power efficient than the digital ones, but they cost more too, right? Yeah, this takes one of those CR123 batteries, which is convenient for me because that's what all of my, you know, red dot scopes and tactical flashlights use so i just buy those in bulk yeah this one was not as cheap as the other one though either so it's definitely gets pricier that uh that effect when you're looking through your nvgs and you see a bright light (laughs) and it kind of washes out your screen that's called blooming 
And so the more expensive mm. ones as well will manage that blooming a lot better. Yeah. You know, uh, when uh, you transition from dark to light or light to dark, you know, uh, they adjust for that. Does that uh, yeah. ruin the the scope? If you like, somebody flips on the lights in front of you, or is the scope able to recover a little bit? It it depends on what kind of night vision it is. Like you're saying, digital is very versatile, yeah. and that um, um, the one that uses the tubes with intensifiers, obviously, you'll get uh, like tube burnout a lot faster the more it's exposed to bright light. Well. Um, one other thing for those that are looking to, to mount things to a helmet, uh, there's basically two types of mounts, unless you get like one of those weird civilian head crusher things that's proprietary. Uh, there's like the, the rhino mount, which is like the original flip up, flip down. These are, you know, usually hundred ish, $200, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, they work, but they're not great. The newer Wilcox mount version is way better because you get more points of adjustment to get that angle just right for your eye. Um, but you start falling under like ITAR problems again because, you know, cool, cool toys that we're not allowed to have. If, is it fun? Yes. Well, then it's banned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you, if you are going to do it and you can get your hands on a Wilcox mount one, you would be way more happy with it. But you're looking three, $400 for the mount alone. Unless you Worth get like a knockoff airsoft one, but you know, do you really want to put your two thousand dollar night vision on a garbage piece of aluminum manufactured in, you know, somewhere that's probably under quarantine at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be fair, they're not manufacturing anything right now. Yeah, but, yeah, no. It's if you're going to spend that much money, you might as well spend the extra couple hundred bucks to get a, or well, up to five hundred, I guess, and get a proper one done. Yeah. It's just like buying underwear that doesn't fit well. You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna want to use them, right? So it works, but spend yeah, extra three to four hundred because once you get that dialed in the way you want it, you can flip that yeah. out, and when you flip it back down, it it's, it's it stays. Right there yeah, for you. it's perfect, right? Yeah, and there's no messing around, and that's one thing you don't want to do is try and mess around with night vision and you can't see. And, now you're fumbling around in the dark trying to problem solve them. No good. Yeah. defeats the purpose, right? <clears throat> yeah, and and then you drop your expensive nightmare on the ground. <laughs> Not good. There's that little giggle. Is there a story that goes with that? No, I'm just I, I've I've dreaded it. Like when my buddy lent me his, and I was walking around at night with him. I was like, oh man, I know these. Like I don't have the money to to replace these if I drop these. So. <laughs> But I'm not going to not take the opportunity to use them because, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Plus, it gives off that really cool whine, you know, when you fire them up. Yeah. You know what? I never heard that whine. It's just a click. The sound of the... Oh, really? Because they said the older ones used to give off the little whine as they wound up. But <laughs> you probably had the latest and greatest, though, I guess, where you were. Maybe. Um, some of the equipment I used, uh, had a little bit of a startup noise, but, um, you know, some fans, cooling fans and so forth. So the big guns don't count, Colin. That's right. Yeah. Well, should we move on to thermal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the, the latest technology to come through, I guess, in the, uh, long history of this stuff. This has been actually used since World War II originally, um, with the infrared. 
and they've worked their all all the way up through all the generations now. And this latest thing is thermal, which you know they're they're using in law enforcement now and the military and civilian even as well. Uh, price, yeah, like house inspectors and everything are using thermal to make sure that your <laughs> your pipes and everything are all up to code and this and that, like crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, but um, go ahead, Doug. Now the fire departments, that's, not, that's what they used to, to detect like hot spots in the house and stuff or where fires originate. Is that, I think I've heard some stuff of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thermal, great for hunting coyotes, raccoons as well. Yeah. Things that are, uh, you know, active at nighttime, skunks. Mm-hmm. And to er- answer Eric's question, night vision will not calm a teething baby. Just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I guess the way that, yeah, mate, you have to walk. Nothing oh, should come with a computer of whiskey. Yeah, yeah whisk, whiskey on the gums. We keep telling him that, but he won't go for it. Yeah, but um, how are you supposed to find the bottle in the dark without night vision? That's right. So thermal uh, works on microscopic differences in temperature versus the yeast. So the first one worked on basically a uh, IR flashlight and the digital camera picking it up. This one just uh, gathered light and kind of concentrated it to your eye. And then thermal based on temperature changes. Um, and you can calibrate it based on where you are. There's actually usually a reset button on some of the looks of it. Um, I was looking at that ATN Thor 4 they have on Amazon for like 2700 bucks. Same idea as that ATN X-Site, but the thermal version. And that seemed kind of neat. But Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems to be the, the go-to now for, for hunting, and especially predator hunting. Everybody's going thermal. Well, especially for the hog hunting and eight down in Texas, they're all going crazy for it because it's just so easy to see what you're shooting at, and yeah, you know, can pick them off in between cows and everything else. So, so yeah, what's the, what's the image look like? Is it the kind of what you see in the movies where everything's kind of black and you see just the the white figure or the white outline? Is that yeah, pretty much? You can choose uh, like black hot or black cold, and so it'll be like inverse okay. image. And uh, it basically looks like a grayscale more than anything okay, else. Okay, so it's a black and white, basically. <laughs> you can be monochrome, yeah. but you can also, if you pay more money, have ones that have uh, different uh, color ranges in them. Yeah. I mean, it's just a colorized monochrome, basically. Yeah, I mean, some of them you can do, like, the whole, like, predator vision thing where it's, like, different colors and all of that. But, yeah, the, the newer ones sort of seem to be... Uh, more grayscale where like white is hot or you can flip it. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was looking at a spotting scope from one of the local importers, like tactical imports. I think they were selling just a a little monocular spotting scope that was true thermal for like a thousand bucks. It's just crazy expensive, but, uh, rifle scopes. Yeah. Anywhere from $2,600 and up. Yeah. Night vision and, uh, thermal optics is something that the Canadian government is looking at restricting at the border. Yeah, more so than it is right now. Yeah, and some of the the manufacturers have even just gone and done that themselves without even the government kind of stepping in and saying they have to. Yeah. I mean, the the cool thing about thermal is that, I mean, you can see through walls and things like that with it, depending on, like, how good the equipment is and, and how thin the walls are. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if it's, if it's something as simple as a tent, like, you know, yeah. an image intensifier will just show you the outside of the tent, whereas a thermal, you can actually see, like, a blobby-looking temperature change behind it, yeah. mm-hmm. which is kind of yeah. good. Or you can see through smoke, whereas the other ones can't. So you can definitely see uh, if somebody's, you know, hiding behind a smoke screen or anything yeah. else. 
Um, so it's definitely got some pluses and minus, but there's there's ways to defeat it as well. Like uh, it has trouble seeing through plates of glass. Uh, we were talking space yeah. blankets. Yeah. So one of the things they use a lot of like along the, the southern border in the U.S. fighting the cartels and stuff like that. They use, I mean, obviously a lot of night vision and a lot of thermal cameras, but I mean the the cartels and the you know the coyotes, not the animal ones, but the people ones have gotten pretty crafty and yeah using space blankets apparently you get two space blankets and then you shred one of them so it's just sort of long stringy pieces and you just hold the two of them up in front of you and you basically disappear under thermal hmm. so you know there's, there's there's pluses and minuses to everything right oh i didn't have anything else you guys got anything else I don't know, but yeah, if uh, you know you want to support the show and send us um, some night vision and/or thermal cameras to play around with, um, you could just send them directly to me, and I'll make sure the other guys get to play with them too. Yeah, I mean, we can give you a solid review, I suppose, too. And, you know, yeah, maybe a, maybe a shout out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, we can do that. Yeah, I mean, product testing. Uh, we were at Tacom. There was a couple companies out there that had this type of equipment they were eager to show to everybody and get them excited yeah. about it and purchasing their products so you know that'd be a a great way to promote your product so yeah when we when we get off air uh, remind me to tell you a funny story about the thermal camera and tacom that's not really appropriate for listeners but you guys can all <laughs> use your imaginations out there <laughs> all right so does well, that bring us to the podcast challenge? Or? I think so. Go right ahead. All right. So uh, podcast challenge for this week is maybe invest in some basic night vision, uh, possibly in a security camera or monocular format. Um, there are uh, used digital items out there. So uh, check out Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. Uh, is that CGN up in Canada? Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, CGN has an entire section devoted to optics, and that includes like rifle scopes, spotting scopes, night vision, and once in a while, you find a little gem on there, and um, you know the guys just want to get rid of it, and they know it doesn't keep its value very well, so they don't mind just dumping it off as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. More often than not, though, you just find idiots arguing about stupid things on there. But well, <laughs> you got to take a good. I guess that's the internet, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So upcoming events, uh, we've got the podcaster charity shoot coming here on July fourth, tw- twenty twenty, in Balmoral, New Brunswick. That's hosted by Slamfire Radio. It's going to be held at the Restigouche Gun Club. This year's charity of choice is the Rod Harquail Memorial Fund. Um, you can register on Practice Score to buy tickets. I think they were saying the link is up. I can't remember. But anyways, PracticeScore.com. There's a link there as well. On that, yeah, yeah uh, I got some time. Um, and Gavin, you want to take the next one? Well, I just to, to, to kind of carry on with that one, um, I'll, I'll be at the charity shoot, and I will be teaching to Stop the Bleed class. Oh, I'm so, sorry. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So come on out. It'll be fun. I'll be there. Are any, any of you guys going to go to that one? Yeah, I'm going. Nice. Well, there you go. So there'll be a few of us out there. It'll be a good time. Um, yeah, no, totally come out. Get your get your tickets. I'll, I'll guess I should probably post to stop the bleed thing so people can get tickets for that too. But, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. That'll, that'll happen in time. Um, other events. What else do we got here? The annual prepper meet. Second week of July in Desboro, Ontario. Yeah, we also got the uh, emergency preparedness week is May 3rd through the 9th. 
Excellent. And we also got TACOM Canada 2020, September 11th to 13th. So the Canadian Pro-Gun Podcasters Network will be in attendance at TACOM 2020. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show. So make sure you stop by the booth, meet your favorites, and pick up some swag. You can see the details for the show at the ticket link. Please use the ticket link. We get a dollar for each uh, ticket sold from that place, which will help uh, you know provide transportation for myself and others to get to uh, TACOM and cover the horrendously expensive power bill. Yeah, big thanks to the four people that have bought tickets so far. Yeah, four, four, four tickets planning, sold. Planning well in <laughs> advance. Uh, but yeah, again, I'll be there, and yeah, Ian will be there. And I imagine, Colin, you'll be at TACOM as well. I'll probably be at, yeah, I'll be at TACOM. Are you guys going to TSS uh, this March break? I don't think so. Oh, no, yeah, I will be there, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be, be there all week as well, so. Yeah. Nice, yeah. I'll be I'll be there in, in some shape or form. I will be at the Sportsman Show. Yep, right on. Cool. Well, with that, I guess I'll bring uh, episode fifty eight of the Canadian Purple Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel Canadian Prepper Podcast and click on the notification tab. Uh, that'll give you alerts when we are going live. And uh, if you got any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. Yeah, you can find uh, me and all of my shenanigans typically on uh, Instagram, urbex underscore GTA. Uh, or you can go and pick up some sweet medical supplies or some tacos or things from ragnaroktactical.ca. If you use the code GAVIN10, that'll give you a little bit of a discount on that one. Uh, also, March 28th in Perth, Ontario, me along with the rest of the Ragnarok crew will be at the Airsoft Show. So you can come and see us in person and pick up some medical supplies and hang out. It'll be fun. I promise. Let's show off your date vision. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I can't remember. I can't even remember my own username right now. Or I got on, it. Uh, on <laughs> Facebook there too. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at uh, CJ Saunders 11. Yeah, that's it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can also email Colin at, at uh, Colin at CanadianVets.org. Right. Uh, there you go. So you can reach myself directly by emailing me at the islandretreat at gmail.com. You can also find Gavin Andrew and myself on Canadian Patriot Podcast. It's found on iTunes and YouTube as well. There you can <laughs> find us discussing why the government waste and society in general has triggered my Asperger's. Yeah, so, join us tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. And tune in for the next episode when we're going to be interviewing Che from Prepper Logic. He's going to tell us about the annual Preppers Meet coming up in Desborough, Ontario there. So if anybody has any questions that they have for Che about the Preppers Meet or in general, just go ahead and send them in. We'll make sure and answer them on the show. I wonder how much money he gets for his face on all those T-shirts. Yeah, I don't know. Or is that people, a different Jay? People are really upset about that, aren't they? they, they died. No, no, wait, different guy. Oh. Yeah. So, until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs> <laughs>